0: Yes, I'm very much aware of the time. I just wanted you to know that uh, everything that I've prepared was for about 10 minutes. And um, as I looked at the order of worship and all the testimonies and all the music, um, I have already marked out three quarters of what um, I had uh, written. I do want to say thank you so much for your loving response and my unexpected hospitality at the hospital. Um, and I've heard all kinds of uh, jokes about uh, me giving uh, Adam the notes and him preaching my sermon. I listened to that sermon, and that was Adam's sermon. It was much better than what I could have done. I'm serious. We are so, so Grateful more than you know. A lot of the things that you see going on in this church is because of the plurality of leadership in this church. This church is not driven by personalities. It should never be written, uh, driven by personalities or by sheer force of character. It is the presence of God doing his work in this place. And uh, I wanted to share with you uh, scriptures from uh, Proverbs. I'm even reorganizing what I'm going to say because I want you to hear this first. You've been um, sitting and standing. I'm going to ask you to stand one more time as we read from Proverbs verses uh, uh, chapter 15, verses 13 through 17 instead of 16. A glad heart makes a ch- spirit is crushed. The heart of him who has understanding, seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feed on folly. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs and hatred with it. Let us always remember that the power resides in his word. You may be seated. Basically, what you see in Proverbs is a contrast. It's a contrast of heart. It's not a contrast of circumstances. When he talks about the afflicted, he's not talking about those some people who have a very uh, notice that it is uh, it is about the afflicted heart it is about those who live in this world with a heart that is under turmoil because of the circumstances and because of whatever life has to offer and that is in contrast to a heart who has found its delight in the Lord. And if we put this, what we have here is something totally different from what the world offers. What we have is an abiding eternal presence of a living and loving and gracious and merciful God who has forgiven us of our sins. Whereas the rest of the world continues to deal Not only with a fallen world, not only with a fallen body. All of us have fallen bodies and we continue to fall metaphorically and literally as we get older. But I am talking about that the difference. We all age, we all live in a world that causes us pain and suffering. But the difference between those who know Christ and those who don't know Christ is that God has created a new to live with a fallen spirit that is conditioned by a fallen circumstance. When we go to the mall, we all look alike. We're all happy, We're all, except for those who don't like shopping. But... Um, <laughs> People, uh, they have bags of things that they want to give to other people. You go to the restaurants, you look at people, they seem as happy as we do. All the externals look the same. And then we're surprised when all kinds of terrible turmoil takes place because of what is unseen. How many times do we see on the news that there were acts of violence and deaths and uh, all kinds of abuse going on and the neighbors go, oh, that person was such a good person. We see it all the time because we don't know what's going on in their homes. We don't know what the spirit and what the heart is. I've said it through 28 years, and I mean it, and I will continue to repeat it. What we are at home is what we are. And whether we eat herbs with love, or we have the fatted calf, and there is turmoil, what is going on at home is really what's going on. That's also true in the lives Of pastors, associate pastors, and ministers. I was reading about the attitudes and the spirit of thankfulness among ministers. Tom Raynor is one of the most thoughtful writers and bloggers about the state of the church about the state of ministers and the state of this country. And he wrote an interesting blog, and it's not about me, but I just want you to see how God is blessing here, and it's all because of his grace. The title of the blog is Five Reasons Thankful Pastors Are Doing So Well in Ministry. He said, I was trying to discern some of the qualities and characteristics of of pastors who were doing well. And I was surprised that the most common trait was that they had an attitude of abundant gratitude. Simply stated, pastors who have an attitude of continuous gratitude do well in ministry. They are joyous pastors and they serve joyous congregations. They see a steady flow of first-time guests at their church. And they're more likely to see members growing in their devotion to Christ. He said, why? He said, here are five reasons that there's a positive effect on a church that has a thankful pastor. Thankful pastors are focused on what really matters You know, we all just have so much emotional strength. Either we can give that energy to those critics and those distractors, or we can give that energy toward what God wants to accomplish within the church. We're able to see clearly God's vision for the church because we can see the good things that God is doing. Secondly, a thankful pastor has a contagious attitude. Much has been said about the 28 years that we've been here, but I want you to know something. We are still here because of also not only God's call on our life, but because of what we can see God is doing among you. You see, the church often takes on the personality of the pastor If the pastor is legalistic, the church is going to be legalistic. If the pastor has a dreary demeanor, then the church follows that. But if there is a continuous thankfulness from the pulpit, there is a continuous thanksgiving and thankfulness in the heart of its people. In fact, it's really fun to be here. Third, thankful pastors attract those who are not yet in church. Do you remember in uh, in chapter 2 of Acts, it says that the early church enjoyed the favor of all the people. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. Unbelieving people in this world are attracted to a place where there is joy and thanksgiving, not to where there is judgmental attitudes and legalism. Thankful pastors lead congregations that give abundantly. This by far, as far as I know, in any church in our Florida Baptist Convention proportionally gives more away than most churches than I can shake a stick at. And it doesn't matter if it's a mega church or if it's a smaller church. This is one of the most generous churches that I have ever known anywhere. In Acts chapter 2, that church was filled with generosity. And we see that here. Now, I want to be very specific about something. Two things. Number one, that generosity grows out of a love for Christ. It's not because you're wealthy. Most charities get 30 to 31 percent of their total annual gifts in the last two months, ours gets about 17%. You might say, oh, that's low. No, it means that the other 10 months you've been giving more than what other churches are giving. You give on a regular basis because you have an eternal view of what ministry is supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. But in the next couple of months... I want you to remember three words. Missions, missions, missions. Now, I want to categorize missions in two areas. Number one, during the month of December, during Advent, starting even next week, we will start our goal with our what we call Lottie Moon. It means our international missions giving. We average about 250 to 260 people on any given Sunday. This church continually gives more than $25,000 to international missions. It's incredible. But there's also mission needs here. And I know it's going to sound like I'm using the word missions in a selfish way. But I promise you I'm not. I want you to see how many people are here and how long it takes to get through these doors to get out. Do you know when people, a lot of people, when they come into a place that's crowded and it's hard to find a way out or in and they don't feel a sense of openness, they don't ever come back. It's because they feel claustrophobic. In the next several months, we are going to need you to consider helping us to expand our ministries by helping to expand what we can do here locally. And I'm not talking about a new worship center. I'm talking about what needs to be done to the facilities here at this church. And so... We're not saying building fun versus missions. We're saying there is a local mission need so that we become more open for more people to come in and to come to know Christ and to worship with us, as well as let the nations be glad by sending money to international missions. Again, you are the most generous people I know, and we are going to be needing your help in that. And then the fifth Characteristic of a thankful pastor, they have, they tend to have a longer tenure. It doesn't seem like 28 years. It seems like yesterday. Do you know to some degree, and you're going to be hearing a message on this in the next year, you all are the second generation congregation of Amelia Baptist Church. And we're going to be very much challenging you as a second generation congregation. As the first generation congregation gave themselves to Christ and to ministry In sacrifice. For us to be what God wants us to be. This generation. You. Are going to have to look forward to the next generation. And what do we need to do to sacrifice. For what God wants us to be next. We cannot be complacent with what we see here. Even though we are thankful. Now all that. Is to say this. What we're experiencing here is an act of God's grace and the presence of His Holy Spirit. And it's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross that there is a different spirit of joy that we experience versus the temporal happiness that those without Christ experience because of stuff and when their stuff breaks, so does their happiness. And they have to go buy some more stuff in order to be happy. I pray that that isn't true with us, though we are tempted to do that. The joy that we have here is because of what Jesus did. The Bible tells us this in Hebrews, that the joy set before him, that is the joy of seeing brothers and sisters coming together under redemption and, and uh, grace and forgiveness, He endured the cross. The joy that you're experiencing today cost somebody everything. And that is it cost the Son of God His life on the cross. But he went there for the joy of knowing that we would be able to experience his joy. And so if you don't know Christ at this point and you're looking at this and you're saying, man, I feel all this positive energy. This is not because we have read how to win and influence people. This is because the blood of Christ has washed our sins away and we live as forgiven sinners. Changed and transformed. And we have a new perspective, not because we're positive extroverts versus negative of introverts or positive introverts versus negative extroverts. This is because our fallen spirit, our dead spirit has been made alive in Jesus Christ. And even though we live in a fallen body and live in a fallen world, we don't have to remain fallen in our demeanor and our attitudes and our behavior. Jesus Christ made that difference. And if you have not experienced that, we want you to. And you may not be one to come forward during an invitation, but there are still cards behind the seat in front of you where you can say, I want to ask I want to talk with someone. Would someone call me about my relationship with Jesus Christ? That would be the highest privilege for us. One reason that joy can be sustained in a fallen world, in a world where there is pain and suffering, I did not like last week being in the hospital. Do you know how many people I got a chance to share Christ with in the hospital? I can count on two hands. The head of the department who came in, this is hilarious. This is great. Once he found out I was a pastor, began to ask me questions about my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Pam, after he left, after he and the resident left, Pam made this observation. He wasn't asking you for himself. He was asking you so that his resident could hear about the joy of Christ. So. In pain and suffering comes the opportunity of joy. (laughs) And sometimes when we want to let go. God holds on to us. Pam and I felt compelled. I'm sorry, this went more than 10. This is just personal testimony. Pam and I just felt that we had to get away for three days just to pray and to seek God's face concerning worship starting in January. Not knowing that on the way to Orlando, we got a call from Set Free saying, do you know anybody in Orlando that could bring someone up here? Someone who had graduated from Set Free, who was clean, who just gave birth to a preemie, wanted to be around other Set Free people for support. I believe with all my heart, it wasn't simply about us going to study. It was to be there and with joy to be a part of this young woman's life with this very small baby to come to where she Could be supported by people who understood her predicament. That was a joy for us. As we uh, sing this next song, just remember that everything that we've experienced is not because of us, but it's because of His sovereign grace. And even though we feel like letting go and slipping away sometimes, I want you to know if you're his, he will hold you fast, not only for eternal life, but an experience of joy and thanksgiving in this life as well. Would you stand and with joy, would you praise God for him holding us fast?